They are a mystery to many. Countless brands have tried to pitch their products, but only a few have prevailed. Now, for the first time, we will interact firsthand with these mystifying gatekeepers. Today, we bring you Behind the Buyer's Desk. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Buyer's Desk. Um, this is a new series we're running where we're interviewing buyers on a monthly basis to ask them the best practices and the best ways to actually get your product on their shelves. Uh, we hear from new brands all the time about how they're pitching uh, to buyers, and sometimes we feel like the approach can be a little bit more refined, and so we wanted to really bring in the experts who are the buyers that are getting pitched on a daily basis. And so... Uh, really excited about this week's interview with James Wren from Thrive Market. Um, we've gotten a few products into Thrive through WeSock and excited to continue to build a partnership with James. Uh, James, thanks so much for joining. I don't know if you want to give a little background on yourself and um, we can dive in with some of these questions. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Cam. Um, so I've been sort of in retail for, oh, I guess, a little over a decade now, um, though I cut my teeth primarily on the sales side in CPG. So done a number of roles there from sales finance to uh, national account management to uh, sales strategy. Um, and then moved over to the buying side uh, with Walmart.com. Uh, was there for about two and a half years. Um, had a, ran a category management desk and then also uh, did private label for uh, food for a little while as well. And then now I'm at Thrive. Um, as a buyer. So I, I think, um, you know, it's usually the way I kind of approach these conversations or even how I approach my buying style is um, I'm still a recovering uh, salesperson. So um, and I think it'll be like that till I die. So here we are. <laughs> and what, what categories are you managing to thrive just for everybody? <clears throat> I do uh, snacks, uh, soups, meals, and side dishes, uh, condiments and sauces, bars, um, oh my God, there's two more. A little bit of everything. Yeah. A little bit of everything. It's mostly <laughs> on the pantry side, basically no yeah. beverages though. Okay. So I, let's start out with a really basic question, right? What's the best yeah. and worst way for brands to initiate conversations with a buyer? Sure. To initiate. Well, I would argue that it kind of depends on the buyer, right? Like they might take they might be receptive to persistence or they might not be. So you can't really control that part. But I would say as a salesperson, I think something to keep in mind is that, you know, it would be awesome if all buyers needed to do was take sales calls and decide what goes on the shelf. Um, unfortunately, that's not like the primary <laughs> day. There's a lot of other stuff going on sort of like, you know, whether it's like internal business things or really just kind of broader, which is kind of like, you know, you're really managing the whole business, if you will. Right. So there's other pieces that you have to worry about. Um, so though I would argue that, you know, regardless of how the, the buyer reacts to persistence, I think persistence is pretty key in trying to at least get that first sort of touch point going. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to, to, email too much, but you know, you're not, you don't have to do it every day, but yeah. you know, at some point, you know, hopefully it's sort of the stars align and like the buyer is looking for something and then you just happen to kind of pop in at the right time and, and it meets the need. 
Yeah. So. I think I, I always tell brands like the one thing I've never heard from a buyer is like, you're emailing me too much. Um, yeah. Cause I, I just won't read it. Right. <laughs> not that I won't read <laughs> it, but it's like, it, yeah. I won't, I won't be able to read it. You know, it's right. like a combination of not be able to read it or it's, I don't need it right now. Um, so, I mean, just keep that in mind, right? Like there's not unlimited space on, on the shelf. So yeah. they, they know what they need uh, when the time comes. And it's just a question of like, that's why I say like be persistent. So yeah. sometimes like, you know, you're just popping at the right time. Right. Yeah. So. I think it's about being also like top of mind of that buyer throughout the year. Right. Like if I send one email and I'm not following up a, you know, at least, you know, bi-weekly or, or monthly basis with you and, and continuing the conversation, there's no yeah. way you're going to come back to my brand when it is time to review it or bring right. it in. hundred percent. So 100%. when I'm, when we, let's say we secure the meeting, we go in, what are some of the kind of um, no-nos that you're seeing in yeah. a meeting where it's yeah. just like, why are we doing why are we doing this dance? Like, let's get straight yeah. to the point that I, these yeah. are the things I need to hear. Yeah. So something I do notice a lot with like younger brands that are kind of more or less, I would say new to the industry are that <clears throat> there tends to be more of a focus on import, information that's like not as important. Like I would almost call them as bells and whistles, right? Like, you know, just because you're doing really well on Amazon doesn't necessarily translate into you know, what does that mean for me at Thrive or whatever, whoever the retailer is, you know, one thing to remember is that like Amazon is good at being there for everybody while at a retailer, you know, maybe with the exception of like a Walmart or like a target, you know, their, their demographic might not be like a slice of every single person in the U S right. You You have to consider what that demographic is, what the profile of their shopper looks like, you know, what are they spending? How much are they spending? You know, how do you earn that share of the wallet? So I think what's important is when you're coming into a meeting with the buyer is that your story, number one, has to be 100% tailored to the retailer, right? You know, I mean, the worst example of this is I've seen brands come in where they're showing me the slides, which, you know, there's no problem with recycling slides, but it's like you're getting to a slide that says, well, here's why this makes sense for Kroger. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it tells me that you are not prepared, right? Yeah. So, you know, number one, like tailoring the story, making it appropriate for that retailer. So, you know, you might have to do some digging around, like how does the model work? And then like, how does my product fit into that retailer? Like it's not a one size fits all. Um, I'll say specifically, you know, for me and probably most buyers are like the things that the buyers care about the most are I have limited space. So if I take in this product, number one, is it going to sell? Right. A very close number two is, is it hitting the margin targets that I need to hit? If it's not going to check off both of those boxes, there's really no need to continue the conversation. And the third piece is, you know, and this is how you can help yourself with sort of the sales story is, you know, don't come and say like, oh, well, we have like 10,000 Instagram followers or like we are getting this many impressions or like there seems to be a lot of excitement or I've been getting DMs on our Instagram saying like we would love to see this on Thrive. Like none of that really means anything unless you can somehow translate that into actual dollars. Like what does that mean in terms of dollars? Like, right. Or the other piece is, if you want to get a little more refined, which is, you know, trying to understand the category that you're trying to sell into 
and frame up how your product and brand, how does that play in the category? Like how does that add to my chips category, for example? Like what is its role in there? Is it going to be a premium product that, you know, may not move as many units because it's priced higher, but it's a higher quality product. It's going to capture a certain type of uh, consumer and, because it's higher dollars in theory it should you know as long as it's selling it should drive category growth from a dollar's perspective is it meant to be an opp item or opening price point item to get somebody into the category before is it meant to go head to head against you know a competitor but maybe try to knock them down a little bit because you know you're maybe priced more aggressively or you're priced the same but you're better like where does it fit into the overall story all of that will be kind of crucial to finding success in those meetings. Yeah, I think it's definitely important to stay away from the soft metrics. I think people bring in like Facebook numbers, Instagram numbers, it's just not going to move the needle. And it's, yeah. it's tough to actually tell, you know, part of the reason why we started, we suck. it's like, it's tough to tell where those customers actually shop. And, and it's tough to actually see how many of those people are actually engaged. Um, sure. And I think telling a category story versus a, just a brand story. I mean, I, I'm sure you feel the same way, but how many brands we always hear that say, we're the only brand doing this. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. well, it's like I've yeah. heard that like five times yeah. already today yeah. versus, Hey, I, just harping on incremental sales for the category, mm-hmm. like the whole pitch can drive a lot more results than talking about your brand. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I kind of uh, use this analogy of where it's kind of like a car or you're building a house, right? You need to have for every car to run, there needs to be like set amount of pieces and parts that make it work and it's like how does your part fit into that is it gonna add to it or is it gonna you know is it gonna enhance the vehicle or is it going to just be noise like that's you need to understand like how do you fit in as opposed to saying like you know it's great or i have a few like i've gone pitches where they're like i just know it's gonna do well (laughs) yeah that doesn't mean anything right i think i think understanding how you're gonna drive the category forward is crucial but also having compassion for the buyer understanding not only do they need to make a decision a lot of times on whether they want to purchase my product but where yeah. they're going to discontinue somewhere else so 100 percent. oh yeah even that kind of insight is helpful you know yeah. i mean i i understand that for uh smaller brands just starting up like buying spins data or nielsen data or iri data can be expensive um arguably on the other side of it i would say that that gives you a ton of information into what's going on in the market Right. And it makes you sound a lot more prepared than and, and sort of sophisticated in your understanding. And like you're saying, Cam, where, you know, from there you can kind of take that information and even not just figure out how you fit into the category, but maybe understand the category at a more holistic level right. and find where there's opportunities for, you know, perhaps taking out a competitor or perhaps, you know, expanding on a, a competitor brand that might actually help you guys as well. Like, who knows? Like, there's a lot of information out there that can kind of help you develop that story. Um, so and then, a, just be just be prepared is, yeah. is really what it comes down to. <laughs> and then what metrics, you know, with Thriving or Online Retailer, what metrics are you looking at that might be different outside of kind of like, you know, I always say like the, the main metric for brick and mortar is, you know, sales by per week, per store, per SKU. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you really looking at? Yeah. So I don't really look at units per, per week, per, you know, UPSW is yeah. how I used to say it. Um, I tend to look at, 
the, the, I would say that the thing that I found in e-commerce is that the growth is, is happens a lot more. It's not as stable as brick and mortar, right? So that's why I feel like in brick and mortar, you want to use a metric like units per store per week. Right. Right. Cause that way you can get a feel of like how productive is it in like the total network, you know, hundred stores, 4,000 stores, if it's Walmart, you know, then you can kind of get a feel for like, okay, does this item really belong in like the total Walmart network? And like, how do I cut it down or, you know, expand on it depending on what you see there with e-commerce. What I found is all right, number one, there's no really units per store per week. Cause it's just technically one store. But what I look at a lot from my end is I look at share, you know, that's kind of like what I see as the most important, right? So on the most basic level, I'll just apply the 80, 20 rule and make the assumption that the 20% that's in there at the bottom 20, they more, most likely don't need to be there. Or I use that as like the area where I'm swapping, like that's where I see room to swap out for something new. Right. That's how I kind of will approach it. So it's hard to, I mean, from a metric standpoint, I mean, if you're able to get a feel for like what the category sales look like now, again, that kind of goes back to needing to maybe leverage spins or some sort of uh, syndicated data. Then from there you can get a feel for like, okay, like I see that in this category at thrive, you know, on, on average every week they're doing, say like hundred, a hundred G's or something like that. Right. You know, how do I make sure I'm like playing around in that ballpark of say the top 80% of brands that are in there? Like that's how you kind of want to position yourself. Yeah. Just make it easy to translate into success for whatever <clears throat> medium you're selling into. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, something to keep in mind is, uh, your number one job when you're interacting with the buyer is to make their job easier. Right. So, the reality is the buyer generally, I would say most buyers are using data to make their decisions. So, you know, when you can provide like the data points that they're going to be looking at anyway, you know, all of that makes it easier to kind of digest and then ultimately make, make a decision good or bad. And going off that topic of kind of making um, your job easier, I'm assuming that post pitch, even for brands that do well, might, screw things up in terms of the follow-up and, and kind of making sure that they're getting everything to you in a timely manner or mm-hmm. just following up with you and realizing that, Hey, once the initial meeting's done, the work's yeah. kind of just started. So do you see yeah. any kind of gaps in communication there where brands can just do a better job post pitch or post meeting to, to ensure they're getting everything you need? I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the persistence side. I've certainly connected with brands before where you know, if, 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 if I'm being good, I'll send them the follow-up paperwork right after, for example, like in my process, if I'm talking to you and I'm like, cool, I'm interested in evaluating like your six items or whatever the number is, right. I'll send you a new item form. So that way I can get some of the financials and the specs so I can actually run the numbers. Right. So on a good day, I'll usually send it right after the meeting. On a bad day, I'll send it like two weeks later or maybe even <laughs> longer as Cam knows. Um, and then from there, you know, I can kind of start doing like my homework and evaluating, right? So I've, cert- but I've certainly come across scenarios where 
you know, I've had the conversation. I was interested. I sent it right after the call and I didn't hear from them again in like three months. Right. And like, by that time, like the momentum's, the wind's been kind of taken out of its sails and I'm like, don't even really remember what we talked about or do I even need it right now? So it's like, you know, you just want to kind of be consistent and also timely and persistent in, in your communication. The other piece too on that is any sort of paperwork that comes your way to fill out and listen, like speaking as a ex sales guy, the worst part about sales is the paperwork. No question. The new item form sucks. Sometimes, you know, with the old school retailers, you have to fill out some sort of like promotional calendar type form that sucks. The new vendor paperwork that sucks. Like they all suck. Like I'm not sure to tell you that it's awesome. Yeah. But you know, with that paperwork, I would, I would be mindful of the details, you know, like everything that they're asking for, make sure you put it in. Um, cause from my experience, like if you can't take care of the details on the basics, such as the paper, the paperwork or doing a control find replace to get rid of Kroger and replace it with thrive, you know, that kind of makes me question your ability to kind of manage me as an account appropriately. And even, you know, maybe beyond that managing your business. Right. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I even think it's, it starts even with that initial email. Like we talked to a lot of brands where it's like, Hey, I reached out to 200 buyers today. And it's like, well, what'd you do? It's like, I just copy and paste my email like throughout. It's like, well, you know, you really have to custom tailor that from the outreach point, make sure that it's customized to that retailer to show that you have some sort of intent when you're reaching out to them. You've thought about it a little bit. Um, Awesome. Well, also, it, long emails aren't always good. Just keep that in mind too. Yeah. Get to the point really quickly and, and just make it super clear on, on why you're reaching out to them and, and make it less about your brand, which seems counterintuitive and more about how you're helping that. It's true that retailer. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's true. Awesome. I mean, listen, like as a retailer, the things I think about all the time every day are very similar to what any of you guys are probably thinking about. If you're, if you own a small business, it's like, you're worried about the revenue stream. And I'm sure you're worried about your, your margins, right? The most basic things to keep the lights on, so to speak. So from my perspective, like that's kind of what I'm worried about too. So, you know, in those emails that come to you, like that come to me, you know, if you can tell me succinctly how you will solve those two concerns of mine, like driving, growing sales and growing margin, you know, I, I think is, you know, that those are, I think those two pieces are universal to every single retailer on the planet. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, we, we focus too much on, we're so in the weeds, I think growing our brands and our business every day. And so you think everybody wants to hear that story and you're realizing yeah. they're growing their end too. Yeah. Um, so just making sure that your outreach, your pitch, your follow-up is all tailored around what's really necessary for that buyer to continue to push along the conversation and also just being patient. I mean, like you said, you've got a lot of things that you're balancing, reaching out, getting the meeting. That doesn't mean, you know, an order is anywhere near in sight. You've got to yeah. kind of be persistent <laughs> yeah. with that outreach yeah. and continue, continue forming that relationship with the buyer. hundred percent. I'm not writing POs on the spot. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so James, obviously uh, follow up, like kind of the last question here. If a brand thinks that they're a good fit for Thrive, what's kind of the best way of going about it? How maybe can they reach you? And um, let's open up this can of worms for, for your inbox. Yeah. So my unread is 
beyond three figures right now. <laughs> it's kind of bad. You got to get that phone number, people, and just text. That's what I do. Um, so, I mean, on Thrive officially, we partner with Range Me. Um, I'm not sure if you're from if you guys are familiar, but Range Me offers a portal for us for submissions to go through. So that's one angle. And Cam, I can share with you the link. Like, there's no cost to that. It's not like the brand has to sign up and pay for Range Me and all that stuff. It's just, you know, instead of us having our own range, we host it for us. Um, the other piece is, I mean, listen, I mean, the reality is brands hit me up from every single direction. Um, sometimes they find my number, uh, email, obviously, LinkedIn, Instagram, like who, who knows? It comes from every direction. Yeah. Um, the best way, I mean, the, the, the best way in terms of like where there's some sort of organization would probably be through the range me portal um and then also i mean if you want to just yell at cam and tell him to hit me up i guess that works too um but yeah i mean in all seriousness the the most organized way is going to be through that range me portal yeah um and uh but yeah I yeah mean, we we I'm say this to stop you guys from yeah whatever I think, I think, you know, like if I'll, uh, I'll speak from the salesperson side of it, like, I think you, like for brands listening to this, it's good to take like a two prong approach, right? Definitely submit the range me as most retailers are going to use them. Um, but don't rely on that maybe being like the only way because some, obviously a lot of brands are submitting. Um, and so get creative in your outreach, but make sure you're respectable and, and reaching out in a way yeah. when you do get to James, you're, you're hitting him over the head with the things that he cares about. Um, and being very um, deliberate in your approach, um, I would say. Awesome, yes. James. Deliberate is a good way of putting it. <laughs> oh, I appreciate James uh, hopping on this week. Uh, obviously, it's been great to kind of grow this friendship and this relationship over the last uh, few months and excited to continue to do business with you. And hopefully this brings some uh, cool new brands your way. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Appreciate it.